Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Um, I'm Frank, and I'm here with my buddy... AJ, what's going on, guys? We are in my apartment together in Brooklyn, in the... What I've dubbed the studio. <laughs> it, it, it's great. It's totally, it's totally a studio, and it's totally uh, your spot is great. I'm so glad that we made it out here today. I've just been running around. We haven't had time to get out here, so I'm really glad we made the time. Yeah. Uh, congrats, man. It's awesome. Thank you. And it's, it feels great to be here. Um, and uh, we we both together, along with some of the other guys and gals, saw Ready Player One last night. Um, yes. The big movie that came out last weekend, so a lot of you probably have seen it already. Um, so we're going to go full spoilers into the plot of the movie. Um, neither of us have read the book. Um, we both have some tangential knowledge of what the book is about. Right. Um, so there may be mild spoilers for the book, but again, we haven't read it. So, um, And we're going to keep this pretty tight. We want to make sure we get this out to you and what our thoughts and feelings are on the movie. Um, so initial reaction, what did you think? Oh, man. Um, okay, so I did really love this movie. Um, I loved it for, um, I, I think all of the reasons some people are hating it, but I, I really did. I loved it. I thought that it felt uh, exciting and action-packed and like a wild ride that only Steven Spielberg can deliver. It felt like a true return to form for him in certain ways. But also... Uh, it felt like Spielberg has been observing the Marvel movies, the DC universe, the other worlds that we're doing, and the other people who are creating big-budget movies now that he kind of created. And I think that he's seen what we're doing and seen kind of some of the things that he can pick up on and how he can, you know, use it to his advantage. And I think that he really did, and uh, it's really successful for him. I'm really happy for him in, in a lot of ways. I know that... You know he's a bazillionaire and he's has you know Academy Awards and all these different things. But I really I am I'm really pleased and happy for him that this was a, was was a success. Did you feel the same way or how did yeah you feel? yeah I mean it, it was a movie that I was smiling throughout like just all these moments that I would like like wow that that reference there or just like oh that was such a cool visual moment. Um, I think in terms of a story. Um, it really did feel like a Spielberg movie and, you know, return to form for him that we haven't really seen in a long time. And, you know, we all grew up on his movies and, you know, it's not that they all had the same formula, but there's a, you know, a general feeling and a sense of nostalgia that, like, for a, a brand new film in 2018 that's based on a novel that came out only a few years ago, it mm -hmm. it really gives you that nostalgic feeling. Um Will it have the staying power that will feel nostalgic for it, it on its own? I don't know, but um, I I did enjoy myself. It was a lot of fun. We saw it in IMAX 3D at the gigantic movie theater. Lincoln Center. Yeah, and it, it was awesome. And I I think it is one of those films that really benefits from that format. Um, you know. The the 3D effect in the beautiful IMAX screen at Lincoln Square is so immersive. <laughs> and it's just like I don't know there I don't know why people go see other movies at other theaters in New York City I really don't get it well I know that you can't see everything there but it really it really is a new level it's a new experience it is but like when you think about the cost it, it's like Almost thirty bucks. It, like, it's buying the movie. It's yeah, yeah. It's more it's in some cases more than buying the movie on your own. But like, and that could be a big deterrent. Um, you know, some people don't actually like the 
3D experience, which is understandable. Like, sure. And it is a lot. I mean, there were definitely moments where I felt like I had to turn my head a little bit to see like other things on the corner of the screen. And like, that may just be where we're sitting, or but like. But it's also like, and this comes back to like film stuff for me. And and I'm I didn't go to film school, but I I consider myself to be a, a film geek. And that, like, Spielberg really shows you where you're looking at. Like, mm-hmm. in every crazy battle, in every crazy race, with all of the IP that's mixed around, all the movement and the dynamic way that those shots are framed, like, you know what's going on. You're able to follow the main character. You're able to follow the battle. And it and it's dynamic, and he keeps it moving forward, and you follow the narrative of the scenes that he builds, which something but he, like we dream about for Michael Bay because it's just a cacophony, yeah. you know? Like, you, I was I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, what would a Michael Bay version of Ready Player One look like? What would a J.J. Abrams version of, of Ready Player One look like? Like, what are these other directors going to bring to it that Spielberg is couldn't have brought to it? That's and, that's really interesting that you say that. And, it, I mean, they would be completely different movies. Totally different movies. And, you know, Michael Bay's would be... a bit chaotic i think whereas like this one it, it like teetered on the edge of chaos at times but like i think that's the point of the oasis well yeah uh, um and jj i think would have been a little bit maybe too cerebral and too uh you know his mystery box like i mean that this this right. entire film is about basically this journey of uh, the character seeking the keys and this mystery of you know the easter egg um yeah and and that part of it is is really great, and I think that coming from someone who plays, I mean, I'm sitting in your studio right now. You have the entire evolution of the Nintendo series. <laughs> you have this SNES, the Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo, 64, the original Wii, Wii U, and the Switch, all displayed very nicely with an Apple TV, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and you know, you play the games. Yeah. So many times we see video game movies that fail or don't end up going anywhere. This is really a movie, in some ways, about the love of video games. Do you feel like it captured that? I do, actually. Um, Something I was going to say about the graphical technology that I think Spielberg, you know, he's won for practical effects for, you know, much of his history. And so, like, for him to go into a film like this where it's so CGI heavy, but, like, they lean in a direction that... I, I feel like is going to last a little bit longer, that it's not necessarily going to look fake in a while. Because I feel like this does represent maybe what video games look like today or maybe will look like a little bit in the future. Um, and I want to build here because you're talking to somebody whose bar mitzvah theme was Steven Spielberg movies. Yeah. Um, I, I love Spielberg. I, you're, I agree with you, but I also think two things. First of all, I think that Spielberg has always been at the forefront of pushing the blending of the technology with his films. And I think that when you, if you're someone like me and you've gone back and you've watched the director's commentary for Jurassic Park four or five times, like what that movie is and why it still holds up today is because it's not a CGI barf fest like Jurassic World can be at times. Mm -hmm. It's they're blending the early effects of CGI with all this practical stuff that they were just beginning to really understand and make look believable. So, like, to me, it kind of, it's true to form for Spielberg to come back here at this time and really push what I expected from this movie, where it really, at times, those big battle scenes in the trailers, they did not play well to me watching them, because mm-hmm. I thought this just looks like 
craziness. He's just he's just going for these big end battle with a blue beam in the sky that he wants to have, and that's that's fine in and of yeah. itself because it's his it's his universe. But he he didn't make a blue beam. Nope. And he actually, when you think of how these that scene was shot, like the dynamic way that the end battle and the, we're getting right into spoilers. We don't have time to set the movie up for you when they're tracking when you're following the high five through that end battle you know who you're following you're following yeah. the iron giant you're following the other characters delorean is and so easy to spot and it, it's great so I, I agree that like yeah like it's weird that it's this thing but i also think no of course spielberg's gonna make this video game movie work and and work for us because while the real world looks like you know, kind of shitty and, and post-apocalyptic in a few ways and, and downtrodden, when you get into the Oasis, it's not like everything is, like, neon or... No. It, like, it's just... It's it's kind of... They're subtle in, in different parts, and you kind it kind of builds and takes away from itself in different, in different moments. Um, but I want to get back to this for a second, because, like, you actually have played multiple video games besides Star Wars Battlefront <laughs> from beginning to end. That's really, that's really what I know, that in Rocket yeah. League. Um, like, do you feel that this captured gamers? Because I saw something, and I, and I want to get here. I, I think it's it really is tapping into something that is innate about video games that a lot of people on the outside who don't play get this feeling that it's like, oh, these kids just wasting their time, and they're just, you know, you're spending all this money, and you're, you know... And there's also controversy around, like, the content that they're they're playing. But, like, at the core of it and what this movie really explored was the relationships that people build and create with other people, even if they're not in the same room. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, as I'm staring at these video game consoles, like, growing up, sitting side by side with my cousins and my, my sister and my other friends, like, we would play side by side and we would have a great time. And it was about the relationships and that bond that you create. And, like, nowadays, I think because video games kind of grew up with the people that were kids with when they first had them. It is now about the online communities. And I'm not a huge online gamer. I'm going to be totally honest. Like I'm still very much a single player or I like sit on the couch and play with my wife or a friend or Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, But I do think there is something to be said there that they were able to capture this main character of Wade and um, how he built these relationships with people that he never met before. And I think there's, something to be said about that you know hero's journey that you know they they go on and you know they all kind of meet up in the real world and you know they 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 definitely pushed the right buttons and said like how dangerous that could possibly be and like you know feeding back to the real world with like you know the big business trying to you know really gain ground and monetize everything and there's there's a lot of commentary there but i think in a lot of ways, while this isn't based on a video game property, like, you know, everyone talks about, like, when are we going to have a good video game movie? Like, we just had Tomb Raider a couple of weeks ago. Like, I think this captures more of the spirit of video games, um, much more so than something like Pixels did, um, versus necessarily being, like, a true video game ap- adaptation, because it's a novel. It's, right. it's an ad- adaptation of a novel. So... Th- I, okay, so I didn't come up with this. Mm-hmm. This is Nostalgia Critic. But, like, he caved this thing and it was like, so these people have been playing this game for five years and nobody figured to drive backwards. But, like, <laughs> I'll, gi- I'll, give you, I'll give you one critic. But ultimately, at the, other, at the end of the spectrum, like, 
to me, I would have never thought that. And, like, I don't play games like that. Mm -hmm. I don't play games to go and find the Easter egg all the time. I only know how to do Super Mario stuff because I've been playing that since I was a little kid. Yeah. You know, like, I'm playing Battlefront now. You you best believe I'm not trying to be in between the walls, you know? So, I, I don't know. I, I, that's where I think, like, getting back to your point about Spielberg and about, like, pushing the technology. I think five to ten years ago, if Spielberg made this movie or if this was possible to come out, you would have spent the first act of the movie building up to even get into the Oasis. Yeah. You would learn all about this Wade character. You would learn all about, you know, his world. You would learn all about the stuff that Spielberg would show you. There's a lot of telling in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of talking expositional dialogue. As a guy, and I'm going to start talking about this now because it's, it's done and people are starting to read it, I wrote a movie. Like, it's I love expositional dialogue. It's probably my favorite part because you have to accomplish something. It's kind of like solving a bomb. You have to take out these wires here. You have to make sure that you're cutting the right one and that it all fits together and no one blows up. And I think that this movie, it had really clunky exposition, um, but from what I had... What I, read and heard that like the book has a lot of this kind of exposition too mm. and that like he's kind of narrating to you as he's playing these different parts that it kind of feels um it, it kind of feels more expositional in the book so when you have the visuals to go along with his words it kind of syncs up yeah so i get that um okay i want to start getting into kind of <sighs> why i think people don't like this movie yeah um, now, do you have, a, like, do you have your own opinion on this yet? I, I, I have a good sense. So, um, I started to read it and yeah. didn't get very far, not just because I literally only picked it up this past weekend. Um, my wife read it and she, about 15, 20 minutes into the movie, leaned over to me and said, this is nothing like the book. And I could tell throughout our watching of it. I was really enjoying myself, and she continued to not enjoy it. And at the end, she said she didn't like it, which is rare for her, but I think because she built up this expectation of this world and, and the plot, and I think the plot really is different. And I think there's a lot of restrictions based on uh, the, the licensing IP, yeah. and, and the IP, which we can maybe get into if we have time. But um, So I think that is a big reason. So I think there was a, a huge community of people that loved the book mm -hmm. and saw the film and realized how different it is and you know takes it's hard whenever you're adapting a novel you're cutting so much out you're cutting a lot of that exposition you're mm -hmm. you know all the character development like how well do we really feel like we know the main characters like we have a good sense of like wade but not really that deep and we have a pretty good sense of samantha but the rest of the high five not so much the villains' motivations are all still a little mustache twirly, nothing really deep there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's maybe the main reason why people don't like it. And the other piece of it is that the author of the book wrote another book that people hate now. And so they, and they feel like it's too much like the first one. And so because of that, they don't like the first book now and they don't like the movie. So it's this whole thing of people turning on the head really fast okay so that's one end that like i'm not really so in in tune with because I, I didn't read the book but i heard this from the guys on the watch and I, and I and i would like to respond to this um 
pretty much what they said is it's not about what this movie was. It's about what this movie means. Okay. And that this movie has kind of boiled down the a version of Gen X Gen X millennial culture that is really alive right now for us. Mm-hmm. And I totally feel that. But like what the fuck does an 18-year-old kid know about Duran Duran? What the fuck does an 18-year-old kid relate to Back to the Future? Like do they really get it? And I think that ultimately, you know, is a version of this kind of nostalgia cash grab effective? And I say absolutely 100% yes. Because it serves the story. Every piece of the IP that's in this movie serves it. Here's the best example. The Shining. Now, The Shining scene isn't in the book. No. But Spielberg loved Stanley Kubrick. He admired him. He was his idol. Because he always felt that Stanley really elevated the playing field of filmmaking to art. He was one of the first guys who really did that. And he loved The Shining. Spielberg loved The Shining. So this is Spielberg nerding out for the first time about something that's not his own. Right. Because literally, the while I love the car chase, it is 1990 Universal Studios. Yeah. You have the DeLorean, you have King Kong, you have Jurassic Park. You're you're riding the rides again. Yeah. Living the movies. Right. Um, But here, like, every piece of the... IP is actually serving this story further because it's all of us. And we are all a little bit of of that world in everyone's own way. You know, you are like that for Nintendo. I'm more like that for probably, you know, Star Wars and Spielberg or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Everyone's got their own little niche of places where they want to play. And I think that to say that this movie is just a cash grab for that, you're not wrong. Like... It, it it certainly is in some ways, but I don't think that we should be just hating on things because they are callbacks. We should be able to rate and define which callbacks are good and which callbacks are not good. Yeah, The lists in this movie are not good. When they're, like, standing there and they're having that scene where, uh, you know, the, the bad Sorrento is in the, in the scene with... Parzival, who's a hologram, and they're doing the lists about John Hughes, and he's, like, reading off to him about, you know, they have a whole team of guys yeah, doing this yeah. nerd nostalgia. Like, no, like, that's wrong, because they're the movie studio is literally doing that to us. Right. They are seeing what we're doing, and they're like, oh, no, the nerds like this now. Yeah, yeah. They're going to they're gonna come pay the money. But I don't think that it's bad just inherently because of the nostalgia, and I don't think that... It's bad because we're referencing it. I think it's about something that people love. Yeah, and it's a love, and that's why you know the author of the book and Spielberg in turn. It's a love letter to that time period and all the things that they love, and it it ultimately becomes about, in a way, the main character of the story, which is um, of uh, the creator. What's his name? Uh, I'm, I think of the actor Halliday. Halliday, not Mark Rylance, the actor. Um, Originally supposed to be Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder turned it down. Oh man, it's crazy. Too, too meta. Yeah, too, a little too meta. Too meta. Um, but he, you know, the character. This is what he grew up with, and this is his love letter, and that's why it's like all about the things that he loved, and like that's one of the things for our generation. I think a lot of generations, you're always kind of crawling back 
to the things of your childhood. You're trying to stay young, the things that you remember, the nostalgia. And so this is like that boiled down to like someone creating this universe of all the things that they love from when they were young. And, um, and, and, that's, and that's a beautiful thing. Here's where it didn't work for me. The music. The music didn't serve the story. No. So, like, as much as I love Alan Silvestri and, like, as cool as it was to hear, like, new score of the Back to the Future theme, like, none of the great pop songs that they put in this movie serve the story. No. And they don't play a part in the story. It's not It's not Tony Stark crashing the PA system on the Quinjet and blasting ACDC to show up to get Loki. It's just... Oh, we're just listening to Van Halen because we're listening to Van Halen. Because it's the eighties. It's the because it's, it's the eighties. So yeah, like yeah. Th- that part, that part didn't land for me. I to be to, so like to kind of transition to a little bit more about the the Easter eggs of the movie. Sure, yeah. I, I there is a lot in there, and I think if you look really, really, really closely, you're going to see a lot of small characters and things like that. Um, oh, people will be dissecting this for years. For years. But I honestly am surprised. I felt like there was going to be way more. Like, just by the sheer fact of, like, the trailers and seeing, you know, the Iron Giant and seeing the DeLorean, I thought it was going to be more in there. And like you said, the music was going to be more embedded in the whole story. And to that sense, I was a little bit disappointed in that it felt like, okay, these all, some of these characters just look a little bit generic and they're just kind of basic they're it does they're not speaking and i think this is partially because of the licensing restrictions yeah and and that's a huge thing and that's one thing that the the book has way more freedom and they could just talk about any characters that they want but here it's like okay well here's this small reference to a couple marvel characters here's you know they said the millennium falcon but like, you, but they didn't even say Marvel characters. They said Marvel names right. to reduce the price tag. Yeah, yeah. So, my thinking is that, like, it's a real bummer that Spielberg didn't work a little bit harder with the movie studios to get more crossover because that's what he did on Roger Rabbit. Yeah. So like Zemeckis, when they're making Roger Rabbit. Behind the scenes, Spielberg is going to Disney and Warner Brothers working out this crazy legal deal where, like, anytime the characters are on screen, they have to have the same amount of lines. Like, that's why when Bob Hoskins is flying out of the sky, it's Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. That's why it's Donald Duck and Daffy. It's all, they're always there together. And, like, they could have figured out a way to do that. And it kind of speaks to the time period that we're in that Disney would never say yes to that. Right. Um... I was hoping that Warner Brothers was going to take more shots at themselves. I was hoping they were going to go a little Deadpool and, like, have a Batman be like, which Batman? Yeah. Like, they so they so could have gotten there, everyone would have creamed their pants and laughed and died. because Because yeah. it would have been a joke for us about them. Yeah. Well, and, like, I, I, at first I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't anything Harry Potter, but I'm like, well, There was no Harry Potter, But that's right. also, like, the 90s, and I, I can understand why that's not there, but, like... If the Oasis is truly, like, this, this like, breeding ground for all these ideas and people can do whatever they want, how is there not, you know, Quidditch, a Quidditch arena or something like that? Like, it doesn't well, that's only the, that's have the, to well, be that's the 80s. The, so that's more of the, the continuation of the, of, the, of the argument. It's that when are we going to be able to include Harry Potter, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 
um, you know, 90s Batman. Uh, I don't know. What else was, like, that's crazy quintessential 90s that, that you could throw into this? Seinfeld. I don't know. But, like, there's there, there there's more cult, pop culture beyond 1989. Yeah. And, and I wish that Spielberg... Well, you know what? They kind of did when they said Padawan, so maybe we have to give them a pass on that. But, you know, there's... I get that argument too. That we're that we have to diversify the group of nerds we're playing to. Yeah. That you can't. That these yes, these nerds have the money now. That's clearly why they're going for them. Mm-hmm. But and it also kind of serves to talk to them and those kids, like the original Atari twenty six hundred kids, who were called TVIs and you know addicted to playing the video games. What the fuck do they know about these kids now? Yeah. Who have digital avatars similar to this in the Oasis? So, I dig that. I loved, um, I really loved The Shining. I thought that that was, like, easily the coolest part of the movie. That was a really cool part. I, I um, thought that, like, the way that it just, I thought that the look was, was right on. I don't know if the character, the faces, like, I don't know if the little girls or the girl in the bathroom, like, I don't, I haven't put that together yet. But, like, ultimately, like, it, if you've seen The Shining, like, it's enough. And, like, the blood, like, how Spielberg lovingly, like, did that. Like, it just, you, you see the love in that scene. Yeah. Um, I love, like, the little things here and there where it's like, oh, man, he's building Mecha Godzilla, and then, like, Gundam comes in. It's like, yeah. that is pretty cool because it's like, there's there's these things, like, from all different corners of pop Battle culture. Battletoads and Ninja Turtles. Yeah. You know. I, I was a little, I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, the, the thing is, like, Nintendo existed in the 80s, but... There's virtually no, There's no, no Nintendo, Nintendo references. And, like, I get it. Like, they don't play game a lot. <laughs> Pun intended. But, like... Yeah, they, they don't. They, they, they don't. I think maybe there was something in Wreck-It Ralph, and, but now they're starting to lean into maybe they're going to make a Mario Brothers movie again. But that's a little Well, they got burned so bad. They Oh, yeah. They, they, they know better now. Yeah, but they, they could have had something in there. Even just a, a logo or... You know, just like when maybe Don- that's the Donkey next Kong, Disney movie like, is the Nintendo shared universe. Ugh. Um, okay, so really, uh, I want to talk about a few more things. Um, I totally thought the DeLorean was gonna fly. Yeah, that bummed me out. Yeah, um, should have flown. It had the hover wheels. It totally had the hover wheels. But and I guess maybe that's because you could probably have skins for that. Yeah. And you could be like, you want the Back to the Future 2 version with Mr. Fusion. Yeah. And I guess it was like, it's a race, so they didn't want him to be able to fly and like, right. cheat. Right. So I get that, but there should have been... Even like in the at the end, they should have flown. Like in that big field. Yeah. Like that. Um, okay. So, no Lord of the Rings references at all. Nothing. Nothing. And that's all Warner Brothers. Yeah. They, they didn't go anywhere with that. So it's weird. Um, I really liked the ending. I thought that the I didn't I didn't read the book, so I didn't know that that, that was coming about the original Easter egg. So that played really well yeah, for me. That I mean that was something because I read like the first couple of pages, like I kind of saw that coming, and that was and I know about the adventure Easter egg, so that was a really really cool. I wouldn't say it was on the nose. I think it was fitting that that was what. Because not everybody knows that, right? No. That's like something that is pretty niche, and that of course the creator of this thing would know it. Totally. Um, uh, okay, I didn't think they built enough real world. No, I think that they could have built more real world, and I, and I think maybe instead of saying, you know, after the corn syrup riots and after the bandwidth wars, like you show a clip of that, 
and you show what that looked like and show the downfall because I think that that's crucial for a post-apocalypse movie anymore because there's so many of them that and there's so many stories that take place in this kind of a setting that I think we have to believe it and 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 you can't really believe it until you've been shown it. Right, and I think the other thing that's hard is it's 2018 and they're saying this movie takes place in 2045. Right. That's not a lot of time really if you think about no. it. And it's, you know, only like a gener like we're talking about people that grew up in the 80s and now they're they're older and they're you know probably 60s well i think that so like wade's father is probably like our generation so like that's something that like laid very heavily with me it's like these are going to be our kids right like like whether or not we think they these games are good or not is regardless whether or not my parents knew we were playing grand theft auto at 14 15 like these kids our kids are going to be playing games like this yeah and it's not going to be just some tame thing it's going to be this full immersive it's already haptic. starting to get there, you know. Like we've the haptic bodysuit was pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't imagine that. Yeah. Um, I, I liked all the cool, fun little techie things that they had. I thought that they really didn't. I, I, I appreciated that he didn't push in some ways, but I, again, like, you're looking for that cohesive world. Yeah. And and that's where it kind of falls apart. I think. Um, I was hoping, you know. I think one of the things you could see from this movie is how Spielberg kind of picked up on, like, I want to do a team movie. Yeah. You know, like, I want to have a team. And I think that there's, you know, obviously H and Parzival and, you know, uh, Artemis are all totally fleshed out characters. Yeah. The other two characters are not. Yeah. And, and Underserved. And, and that's it's a little bit of a bummer. And but... I think people from that read the books... They were more fleshed out in the books, and that could be another reason why. And I think they are pretty cool characters. Like, you have that moment. It's like, oh, this this kid's gonna like save day, and then it's just like, okay, that's it. So, okay, the end. Okay, so let's get to the end here. So ultimately, the end of the the end of the movie is you know they're in like his '80s room, which is a classic Spielberg motif to be in some kids' rooms from the '80s. He's yeah. got a thousand scenes of that. You can even see it in Super Eight. It's not even his movie. Um, I think they push the button in a different version of this movie. Like, I think that they push it and you kill the Oasis. Oh. Like, I think that maybe that sends a better message. Because the message of this movie is confusing. Because, like, he gets a cool pad and his girl, and they close it down on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but yeah. we gaming. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's... The, the message was that people were going overboard. They were searching for this easter egg for so long that they forgot about the real world and you know all the the problems that are in there and they're they're going to the oasis to to seek out a better life but then they're kind of like okay well that's all fine and good but like you still need to remember that reality is like really the only place that matters at the end of the day and like so i like that they they close it down on certain days of the week but yeah i mean that I, I I thought you know when um, I th- I thought as soon as you show that button you push the button. That yeah, and that'd be crazy. I mean that would, that would be like. Totally room for like sequel, you know. And, yeah. But I I don't think that they were gonna go there. I don't. Please don't make a sequel to this movie. Um, yeah. I really think that they should just leave this one alone. Yeah. Um. I don't know. So. I was. Okay, I want to talk about one last thing, and then really I'm done. I'm disappointed 
that there weren't more that Spielberg didn't use this opportunity to make it his cinematic universe Avengers and I think that there was a real heavy opportunity for there and I think he's even quoted as saying that he's not going to do that however sir <laughs> I do I, I beg your pardon um, the box that they give the orb to is the box from Gremlins the, the fucking T-Rex the uh, DeLorean is from Back to the Future a film that he produced Universal Studios uh, Spielberg was integral in the creation of the King Kong ride yeah. and how that was all fleshed no, out. No Indiana Jones. There's no there's no Indiana Jones in this movie. But also I'm trying to think about like, you know, uh, the, the 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 Bruce the the shark is in this movie briefly. Mm-hmm. Like so I don't understand why he didn't fully commit to that. I think yeah. there are more Spielberg references, direct references in the book itself. Where they do more talking about that. I think there's also like a Goonies thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because the author is like, it's a love letter to the 80s and Spielberg is essential to that. And he kind of like took himself out of it and he almost made made it, because how could he exist in the world of this movie if he's making the movie? It's a little bit meta and it's a little but it, mind-bendy, but. I, I think he could have kind of, I think he should have went for it. Mm. And, and I think that there's like a few really great characters that, you bring out even in their avatars or in different places like you bring out sloth like from the goonies you totally yeah. have him like it there were gremlins in lego batman there's no gremlins in this like it's a fucking gremlin yeah. it's digital bullshit this is not hard like like I, make it like so it's like not steven spielberg what about like what about Stefan, like something else like something yeah that's just like a different guy that made all these movies and it's like a fun reference to himself like do something like that and have all those things there because it, it's it feels like a gap is missing it does it, it feels like you can't really ha- you you can't have back to the future without spielberg and it feels like it kind of does exist without him yeah and it's weird and uh i don't know i don't i don't get that ch- choice yeah um, maybe it was because of where all the rights landed. Like, I, I don't That's know. part of it, too. Uh, you know, I think this is a... I think this could be a cautionary tale to studios. And, I, and I'm sad because as much as we're talking about all the IP and as much as we're talking about all the shared universe and all this different stuff, this is actually an original story that won number one at the box office for a weekend. When has that happened in the last bazillion years in a movie yeah, theater? that's true. Like... This was an opportunity for someone to see something that's not based off a comic book or or a uh, a previous or franchise. a previous movie or or something like that. Like this was new and fresh, and you know, ultimately, I don't think it has the rewatch value that it's going to have in like ten to fifteen years, like Jurassic Park will. But I think this movie is going to hold up for a while, and I think it's good. And, yeah, and. We would love to hear differing opinions, so if you have one, you know, please submit. That would yeah. be fine. Yeah, and if any of you have read the book and have really strong feelings of, of the differences there, love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I still plan on reading it. I, I'm very slow. Uh, it'll probably be sometime next year that I actually get around to finishing it, but <laughs> I think both of us really enjoyed this movie. Yep. Um, it's a fun ride, and that's really, like, at its core. It's it just got a really great arc. It's, oh, yeah. It, it feels like a Spielberg movie through and through. Fun references, um, definitely leaves you wanting more um, in a lot of ways. But um, you know, I, I think I don't know about 
this weekend and or how many weekends it's really going to hold at the box office because I, I know Rampage is coming and that's probably going to be, be a big ticket seller because of The Rock um, but you know it, it'll it'll probably be in and out of theaters pretty quickly so if you haven't caught it yet we definitely recommend it definitely recommend it definitely go see it in a theater get yourself yeah. the 3D the 3D in this is really great it's a new level yeah um, I think some of the 3D that you've been watching in the past few years from the conversions are good but the problem with the conversions is they're really meant to add depth whereas this this kind of a 3d when it's developed for 3d you really get the visual dynamics this i mean because they're in a 3d world world, digital world and so you need to feel like you're in it and you really do and that's that's pretty cool and that's something that a lot of these movies own too Anything also other dc characters like it just they had just batman stickers on everything like yeah that's it. Come on, like, have a Superman sticker. Have one Superman sticker. Have everyone have a Flash sticker. I mean, they had the the reference to the Clark Kent outfit, but that's it. And and the subtlety of the Iron Giant stretching across the two divides where they're crossing over him as Spider Superman did, in the end of the little Superman, then, the movie of Christopher Reeves, and then the little uh, Terminator thumbs up. The Terminator up. two thumbs up was, that was great. That was great. I thought I was thought that was gonna get a bigger. Uh, Plus in the theater. Yeah. Nobody knew what the fuck that was going on. Ah, so sad. <laughs> anyway, this was really fun. Um, so definitely recommend the movie. Um, check out the podcast. You know, you can find us online at uh, www.longlostheroes.net, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. Um, we hope to be back again in the next couple of weeks. We definitely want to do a pre-Infinity War uh, talk, something. Talk. Road to Infinity War. Road to Infinity War. We're both busy on our MCU rewatch um, and then we're going to see them, that movie, which is pretty soon. Um, so stay tuned for more from Long Lost Heroes in the next couple of weeks, but it's been great and glad that you came out to Brooklyn. This is oh, awesome. So happy to be in Brooklyn. So happy to be live from Bedford Stuyvesant. The live was one. Representing BK to the fullest. Gats, I pull it. This was great. Thank you very much, everybody. Keep listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the movie. Bye.